0: Welcome to Postscript. My name is Dave Saverns, and with me today, live and in studio, is Lead Pastor Paul Eastwood.
1: Hey, how's it going? It's going well. How are you, Paul? It is great. I mean, we're six feet apart and yeah. uh, doing yeah. this in person again. We've been doing this online for a long time, and so uh, back in person, uh, I absolutely love doing these podcasts. And I hope that you know you are enjoying listening to them. And uh, you know, one of the things we've talked about is that if you have ideas or things that you want us to talk about, yeah. or Please send those along. Uh, we want to make this as meaningful as possible. But the idea of these podcasts is to is to take what we've talked about on Sunday and take it further mm-hmm. and have a little more of a conversation, a little more, you know, just banter back and forth about uh, what we talked about.
0: Yeah. And we love I love this format because it's a conversation. Uh, it's it's different than a sermon, right? It's because we're back and forth and we're not yeah. like 100 percent firm on everything we say. Not that you have to be in your yeah, sermons yeah. either. Um, but every time I've gotten feedback, last week, uh, Becky Armstrong reached out and just said, thanks for the shout out for Women's Ministry. It was great to listen to the conversation. It is yeah. good for us to know how to keep developing these conversations because we kind of have them and put them out there into podcast land, into thin air. Yep. Um, so if you hear things that you like or that you th- want us to talk about, just reach out. We would love to be able to do that. Let's uh, let's dive into this week, Paul. Um, this was our second week of our series, which we're calling To Gather, uh, and we t- you titled this one... For survival, um, do you want to give us a little bit of a recap? Where did where did we go? Why
1: survival? Yeah, well, so sir, I, I talked about this idea of survival because I think that sometimes we we sort of like niceify language uh, around the church, and we say, you know, it's it's you know it's it's important, and you know it's it's but we never talk in these kind of more um, dramatic terms, which I think are actually helpful. Because when we start talking about this idea, if, if, if the church, let me put it this way, when you are hurting and struggling and in a really difficult place, if your first instinct is not to come to the church, like if your first instinct is like, I need to pull back and be by myself, Hmm. then our church isn't what it should be. Sure. And you and I, I mean, you and I, Dave, but others in our church are not being what we're called to be either. Yeah. Um, as part of this family. And so this idea of survival, I think is number one, something that we should be shooting for to have this place as a safe place where we come back together and actually feel like we get energized for something that's so much bigger. Mm. Um, and secondly, I think it's a reminder to us that, uh, we need to be living our lives in such an active way in terms of living out what it means to be a follower of Jesus, mm. that it's hard and, you know, there needs to be these moments where we're like, man, I just need some friends right now. And that's kind of what we were getting at yeah. when we talked about it. Yeah, I love that.
0: Let, let me just get a little question about the beginning of that. You said if the church isn't that place you turn to, um, isn't providing that, then then something's wrong. Uh, OK, I hear that. Now, I've, I've heard from people, uh, our church, other churches, that their churches aren't that. Um, that that we aren't necessarily that. So the, so then w- the question is what's our what's our responsibility um, for you and I as leaders, and what are we like? What are you and I doing right now at Compass Point to try to make our church a place where this happens? And then what do we do in those moments where it's disappointing, where we we don't hit the mark? Where like let's say I wasn't a pastor, let's say I was attending somewhere. Um, what do I do if my church doesn't feel like it's that place? Yeah. Where where it's a really good place to turn for survival.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think so. The first part of that would would be that yes, if if you're not turning to the church in those moments, then it, something is wrong. But I think that more principally, it's not wrong with us. It's it's something that's wrong with the church. That's what I what I would like to yep. sort of point out. That I think that that the church has missed the mark. So yes, I think as there's a couple of things that we need to, we need to, we need to make sure that this place is a safe place. Mm. Um, And what that means is that we need to be able to have a variety of opinions and ideas. We need to have open conversation about things that's always filled with grace and love. Um, uh, I think that it's also needs to be a safe place in the sense that um, even things like the, the language that we use and all of those kinds of things, we, we don't want to you to come to church and, uh, have this experience be something that, um, you know, fills you with fear or, uh, worry or dread. Uh, you know, the, the good news is good news and mm-hmm. we should leave this place with, uh, our hearts feeling lightened and, uh, we should leave this place feeling encouraged and feeling loved. Yeah. And so, you know, like, yeah, language, attitudes, uh, all of those things are things that we need to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's necessarily just the responsibility of our leaders. I think we need to model it, but I think it's the responsibility of our people. And I also need to say right off the top that we won't always get it right. In fact, yeah. we're going to get it wrong often. In fact, the church is is sadly a place where people get hurt a lot. Yep. And, um, and that is something to grieve as a, as a community because it's not the way that it should be. Mm-hmm. But, but certainly I think that we need to keep pushing into those things and um, you know, making sure that this place is a safe place. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. I mean, I, I would say that same thing. If, if you find yourself disappointed in church first look inward and I'm not, I'm not saying that like there are times when the abuses in church or the, the wrongs of church or the, the culture of church are are such that they're inhibiting growth pretty pretty significantly and and you need to talk to someone wise and, and maybe make a change. But generally speaking, um, in my experience, when people leave a church, uh, they take what's wrong with the church with them <laughs> to the next place yeah. they go because it's us. It's all of us. Uh, Tim Keller yesterday posted this brilliant thing. Uh, as we know, there's an election going on in the States and there's lots of uh, strong language being used. So I'm just going to read a little bit of this because I think it kind of gets at the heart of this. Yeah. I've been asked why it's especially wrong for Christians to speak of their opponents in a demonizing and dehumanizing way. Historic Christians believe that our sin has made us worthy of condemnation and hell. For those living respectable lives to those leading criminal lives, all of us fall infinitely and therefore equally short of loving and serving God in ways that are due him. Therefore, we can only be saved through Christ by sheer grace so christians can never feel more morally superior to anyone else at all that means when we call out evil doing in others as vital as it is we can never imply by our attitudes or language that they deserve god's condemnation but we do not Mm -hmm. it goes on from there there's lots more yeah Um, but i think that's an important thing that we remember in this like we're gonna we're gonna fail yeah Um, church is made for survival church is made for these things we we love it we want it to be that um, you and I and and all yeah. of our church leaders are working towards these things and trying to, you know, pinpoint these places of unhealthy culture and and help point them towards the gospel. Uh, but when things are wrong, first look inwards.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good, good, good thought. And I and I think as well when it comes to this idea of encouragement, which is what we were talking about on Sunday, is kind yeah. of the where where things ended up. Uh, we were in Hebrews chapter ten, but this idea of of uh, encouragement really comes from a place where we see each other as equals Mm -hmm. and and I think that what you're saying is so important that when we start to create sort of an us and them and some kind of a superiority then we look down on people and it becomes pity rather than encouragement and and to me that's not what we're looking for because um, it's not going to be helpful in the same way as when we come alongside someone. In fact, I actually had, I remember having a conversation with one of our elders, we were talking about discipline and the importance of discipline in the church, which mm-hmm. is sort of the other side of the coin to encouragement. In fact, I think that sometimes accountability is a, a clear indication of uh, your care and concern for somebody. Absolutely. So I think there's a really strong connection between encouragement and discipline. But let me let, just put that aside for a second. So what I would say is that we talked about this idea of discipline and what does that look like in the church? And, you know, what one of our elders said is he said, I see a picture of someone coming alongside, uh, a you know, a brother or sister in Christ, putting their arm around them um, and, it you know, kind of helping them sort of go in a different direction. It's not about me standing across the table and saying that I'm better than you. And yeah. so you need to do this. Yep. It's, hey, let's look at this together because, you know, we're in this together. And that, I think, is essentially part of what that whole idea of the church is all about.
0: Yeah. Uh, I love that. Um, I I love the way you opened your sermon on Sunday with, uh, the Quasimodo sanctuary. Um, and, and a little later you, you referenced back to the sermon Chris preached recently and you talked about maturity. Um, you you said something along the lines of maturity isn't the deluxe option. It's not something that you can upgrade to and kind of as a nice add on. Um, it's something we're all called to. Can we, can we dive into that a little bit more? Um, I don't I don't know about you but in this season I personally I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm burned out and the idea of like yeah, let's dig in and do the hard work of becoming mature in any area of my life. I'm like no, I I want to go home and sit on my couch and watch Netflix. Yeah. Um what is this call to Christian maturity and why is it that we're all called to it?
1: Well, I mean, we're all called to it because it's, it's part of, you know, like it, it you know, in the great commission. So when, in, in uh, pastor Chris's conversation about this idea or, or his message, he talked about the idea of the great commission was not, you know, it's not like, you know, go into the world and make converts. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like all we're supposed to do is just, you know, pray the prayer and we're good. Yeah. It's about discipleship, which is a lifelong process and it's a long-term commitment and it's something that we never get right and so we're always aiming towards something and so i think this idea in um you know in our culture is is so prominent that we have that we can sit back and just say yeah you know like um, I'm, I'm good. Like I, I go to church and I'm a, I'm one of those Jesus followers, but like, but yeah, the, the really like digging into, to, you know, trying to be better and trying to grow and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's for some people it's for seminary students or for pastors, but I'm not mm-hmm. into that. Yeah, Like that's the deluxe option. And I think that's, I think that's really dangerous because, you know, we, we've called people to this kind of weak version of what faith is all about. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's where it plays into this is, is kind of what I mentioned earlier is that, is that following Jesus and aligning our lives with the way of Jesus is hard work and it's difficult. And when it's easy, then, um, then we don't need people around us. Like we don't need to be encouraged. We don't need like, so, and, and so that's where these things kind of play off each other is that, is that the real responsibility of followers of Jesus is to uh, continue to grow to maturity. And that's what the apostle Paul talked about in Ephesians. You know, Mm -hmm. I pray that this is all of this that is leading towards maturity. And then even in Hebrews, there's this idea of it leading towards maturity and other passages that we're talking about. It's all going to be about leading to maturity, um, which is not something that we can opt out of.
0: Yeah. So, so to me, um, I love that. And I feel like some of this is tied up in our current cultural uh, norm of expertise, right? So, like, we live in a world where there's so many things to know and do, and there's an expert for everything, right? When I have a problem with my computer, I call an IT person. When I have a problem with my plumbing, I call a plumber. Um, We're not expected anymore to know lots about lots of things. We're expected to do what we do exceptionally well. Uh, And I think sometimes we put faith in that box, and we kind of outsource it to the professionals to to, to you and I who, mm-hmm. you know, we preach, we teach, we, we do those things. We've done the work in theology. So I can, you know, hypothetically, I can show up and sit under a better teacher than I am and not worry about growth. Um, and I, I think faith and following Jesus is, is not like that. It's not like a career. It's not like gaining expertise in a trade or a certain area. Uh, it's something that we all are responsible for kind of like our physical health, right? Like we can, we know that if we ignore our physical health, any one of us, there are consequences. Yep. Um, we are all in bodies; we can't escape that. That's and that's <laughs> that's kind of like like our souls. That's kind of like what's going on spiritually. Like we all are responsible for our lives, and and this is why we think church is important and gathering is important. And it's not an opt in opt out thing. Some people are good enough that you don't need to do it. Um, mm-hmm. Prioritizing church for survival because we need this. It's it's a it's this like unseen, hard to measure part of our being. Um, and it, yeah, it's, I mean, I think that's part of the, the challenge here is that, okay, when it comes to physical health, we've got all these, these measurements, right? We can, yep. we can check our weight, we can check our blood pressure, we can check all kinds of things. I think the new Apple watch will check our blood oxygen level even, Oh, nice! which is just crazy. <laughs> um, all kinds of fun things, but, but we don't do that spiritually. Do we, do, right. do we have like, what are the markers yeah. in your mind? Um, we're we're people who like numbers generally but but are there ways that we can measure maturity and and check in what are what are some of those things?
1: yeah i I mean I think that I think that um the our our intention towards gathering and our uh, you know, some of the way that the way that we have conversations, uh, you know, I've often been told that, you know, in a moment, in a, in a snap, um, what is the decision that you make most often? Hmm. And in those moments where you're not thinking and you make a decision quickly, that reveals the most about what's going on inside of you. So for instance, if you're driving your car and somebody cuts you off and your first instinct without even thinking is to, you know, get angry do something, whatever, drive faster, swear at them, push down on the gas pedal, then you, then you recognize there's something going on that needs to be addressed inside. And so I would say the same thing that happens when you're in a church setting and you're um, in an environment where, you know, someone says something or you see someone who's hurting, what's your gut reaction? What's your first response? Mm. Is it, Uh, looking down on that person is it is it saying oh man that person is terrible because they've made this mistake or is it um are you you know rolling your eyes because you're you know you you feel like you're better than them or whatever Mm -hmm. it is those are the moments that reveal a lot about what's going on yeah um so but but yeah and i also think that the 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 gathering itself and the desire to gather. And, and again, we, we've been walking this line all the way through the series of recognizing that for some of you, this isn't possible yet. And that's okay.
0: Yeah. To be part of our physical gathering is right.
1: Yeah, But the idea that we don't want to gather is an indication that there might be something going on that yeah. we need to pay attention to at least.
0: Yeah. And uh, again, you, you hinted at this, but the, uh, the fruits of the spirit, right? Like the fruits of the spirit right. are these marks of maturity. And I, I mean, if you haven't memorized anything, memorize the fruits of the spirit Yeah, and kind of ask yourself before you do anything, kind of get used to putting this through the filter. Yep. Is this, does this look like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, you know, yep. all of those things. Um, and that's, I think that's the call to maturity and that's what the gospel lived out looks like in our lives. Right.
1: And one of the things that I think is so fascinating about the fruits of the spirit, of course, is that they require other people for us to demonstrate them. Of course. Of course. So you on Sunday challenged us to think about someone
0: um, someone at our church who maybe was with us, maybe wasn't with us and, and to reach out to them, um, to, to be able yeah. to, to do this, right. Cause we are in this weird time and let's be honest, numbers are going up. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if we'll still be meeting two months from now. We pray that we will, we, we hope that we will, we're planning that way, but you know, we also know the priority of keeping our neighbors safe in this strange pandemic time. So, um, How, what does that look like? How have you been able to reach out to people around you uniquely in this time? And how has it been different than kind of pre pandemic?
1: Yeah. Oh, well, there's two questions there. Like, you know, how have I done it? Um, you know, for me primarily has been about, um, you know, as I, so like, I've just been calling people as I drive and that's kind of been my thing, like, um, um, more than, than, than usual. I probably spent more time talking to my family, um, than I have in the past, not my immediate family, but my extended family. Um, and, um, so those kinds of things have been really good, um, you know, in terms of reaching out. So, so I do sort of have a list of people that, um, you know, are, are close to me personally in the church and those people are people that I reach out to. Yeah. And I would say that generally speaking, so the bigger question that you were asking is, you know, sort of how do we kind of go down this road together? And I think mm-hmm. there are two sides to the coin. And one of the things that I said on Sunday that I uh, that really kind of, um, you know, caught me as I was thinking it emotionally is is this idea that you know that we can't see each other and yeah. that's hard and the fact that i can't see that you've been having a bad day i can't see that you're limping for instance or i can't miss you one week and say oh where are we we're like where is that person those things are sort of intangible things that we miss when we're not gathering together mm-hmm. and and so so there's this i think that the first part is for we need to we need to have our antenna up and focused on people who aren't here and those who we recognize are probably missing something, and so our goal is to somehow connect with those people and make sure that we're you know in contact. The second thing I would say is that we need to be more vocal about what's going on in our own situation. Hmm. So, for instance, this week I got an email from somebody who said, um, you know, they were go they were, you know. Um, you know, kind of doing some things that were really difficult in terms of ministry and life and church and just found that they were kind of really struggling and needed to be encouraged because Mm. they were feeling like with new restrictions or new things going on or caseloads going up, they're like, well, what do I do now? Yeah. And there's a temptation to just pull the plug, but instead they were encouraged because they were able to sort of vocalize the fact that they're struggling. And that's what I'm trying to get at is that this is not all this is not a hey, everybody who's listening here, you guys are all great. So you need to go find someone to encourage. You need to open yourself up to encouragement Mm -hmm. and allow and tell people because we can't rely on our body language. We don't know if you've had a bad week. So tell us. So send a text message to someone that you care about, someone who's safe someone in the church family, um, who you can say, Hey, I'm struggling this week. Yep. Uh, I need some help. I need some encouragement because I'm not, things aren't going the way I wanted them to. Yeah. And
0: we're not necessarily talking about broadcasting this on social media. No, like, no, no. If
1: you're comfortable and that's what you want, but that's not the, what? that's not the family of like, no, in the same way, like broadcasting your feelings and hoping that somebody says something back to you, you know, nice mm-hmm. it is fine. But then what ends up happening is you're, you're allowing yourself, like you're saying, okay what out there can comfort me? Right. And, and to me, posting on social media is a different mindset because it's like, I'm, I'm searching for something. But when you are speaking to people in your church family or connecting with those who are followers of Jesus, what you're saying is I know the answer. I just need to be reminded. Yeah. And that I think is what the church is about. You know, no one in the church is going to suggest that you, you know, try a, some kind of a, a shake, cause that's going to make you feel better or, mm. you know, wear something, you know, that's going to, you know, pep your step or whatever there, there, I'm not trying to minimize I, what I'm yeah, trying to say yeah. is that I know what I need to be encouraged and it's, I need to be reminded of the gospel. I need to be reminded of that what I'm doing is difficult and I need to be reminded that, um, that I can't do it alone. And so we just go back to that place and, um,
0: yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, it's really good. And, and, uh, like it's, it's, it's hard. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's easy and in some way it's easy for you to say, you know, that, and maybe you're new enough in your faith that you don't actually know yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the community of God will point you to it. The, the truth is a lot of these answers, like a lot of the things we look for aren't, uh, it's not that you need to, to get a master's in theology to understand the ways of God. Um, the ways of God are gracious and loving. Mm-hmm. And he is in control even when we're not. And like, there's not a whole lot more to it than that. There's a lot more nuance. There's a lot more language. There's, you know, you can you can get into it. But the truth is, God loves us. He cares for us. He's going to carry us through. Um, and, and these are the truths we need to be reminded of. Uh, we need to be reminded to live out the fruits of the Spirit in the midst of that. We need to be reminded to love our neighbors. So I would, again, encourage you, if you're listening right now, um, reach out reach out to the people who you know who maybe you haven't seen in a while i've actually got a couple names that are coming to mind right now as we're having this conversation mm-hmm. people i'm going to text um mm-hmm. and just just say hey how's it going you know i'd love to catch up maybe set up a phone call sometime or yeah um, be really good to to just connect we could keep going with this but we've got two more weeks of together any closing thoughts for today paul well, I
1: mean, yeah, just so just a reminder again, as as the writer of Hebrews was writing this this passage, there there's this this call to like to hold on and stand firm and resist the temptation to drift. And I just imagine if our church truly was a safe place, what would it look like if our church truly was a sanctuary for people where they could be comforted and find that um, that that what they need to carry on? Um, And I imagine what that would look like. And what I recognize is that it takes each one of us being focused on this and recognizing that, that the, the, the stakes are extremely high. This is a life or death kind of thing that we are talking about here. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to um, encouraging people, I desperately want to be a church that is committed to not leaving people behind. And that means that. That means that you listening to this podcast need to be the, uh, t- to grow into the kind of person who w- is constantly looking for ways to serve the people of God and encouragement is a simple way to do that. I know we're not all gifted that way, but it just takes one conversation to, um, to begin to help people return and keep their focus and hold on and stay firm and resist the temptation to drift. So good. Thank you so
0: much, Paul, and thank you for listening along this week. We'll be back next week with more Postscript.